Yeah, what is going on, everybody? Welcome to the awesome.com NFL strategy show matchups edition presented by Prize Picks. Well, it's the last one of the season. We've gone, what, this is 19, 20, 18, 21 weeks, 20, 21 yep. weeks, something like that. I'm Dave Locker and happy to have you guys with us. I say it every week, but so many of you have stuck with us throughout the entire season with this show, despite the fact that there might have been 15 games on a slate, 14 games on a slate, and we're going two straight hours, you know, buckle the seatbelts, pour the coffee, not the same situation today, but still two games to talk about. I'm joined by Matt Savoka at Draftaholic. You can follow me at Lafay underscore D, L-O-U-G-H-Y underscore D. For those of you podcast listeners, championship weekend, Matt, we got two really good games on tap. Yeah, we do. And, you know, I'm excited to talk about this weekend, but this is actually my first show on Awesome 04 Week 21, the championship game weekend. So I haven't really gotten a chance to talk about what went down, especially on Sunday yeah. last week. And so you're definitely going to hear about how I feel about the overtime rules and all these things. I know you've probably heard about them at this point, but hey, I got things to say here, and we certainly are going to dig into this championship weekend. I, I don't want to sell it short here. I'm really, really excited about these games. I'm really excited about these slates, and uh, I'm excited to dig into it. But man, what an unforgettable Sunday of football, despite how uh, you might feel about how it ended up going, especially Sunday night. Are you opposed to the overtime rules, Matt? I'm not, I don't think we have the worst overtime rules in the world. Like we don't need to be like marching on Goodell's office immediately, but I, I, okay. This is what I said right as it happened with my buddies who I was sitting there with. I said, as a consumer of the entertainment product that is pro football, I feel entirely robbed of watching Josh Allen try a rebuttal. It, it, it's just we've, we've come to two heads in the last couple of years here where superstar quarterbacks, uh, ascending superstar quarterbacks, are basically battling the established, the, uh, established status quo, and they are going pound for pound, play for play, absolutely perfect football being played. I want more perfect football, and I do think it's in the NFL's best interest to get more entertaining football on the field, and we were robbed of it. I don't think, I think that's objective. You know, you can make all the arguments for, you know, play defense, do this, do that, you know, you know, make the best of the assignment you're given based on the coin toss. But in my opinion, we deserved as football fans and just people watching football to see more Josh Allen and the Bills. You know, at some point, one of them was going to slip up. It just so happened that a coin toss made the, uh, the Chiefs not, uh, the Chiefs not slipping up, uh, outlast the bills doing the same well that's the problem the problem is the coin toss it, it's not the problem that if you score first even though I, I think both teams should get the ball which would negate the coin toss to begin with to some extent it's the fact that there's a coin toss i mean i just watched the last duel on on hbo plus wildly overrated movie i wouldn't recommend it but just have them duel or something i mean <laughs> I, I made that joke before, so it's not as good. But what I'm saying is you can't decide it by a coin toss and then not give the other team a chance. If there was a way to appropriately decide how each team gets the ball, then that's different. Otherwise, just do college rules without a without having to go from 
you know, short field, just do standard kickoffs, but we're here. And uh, yep. the truth is as, as bad as that was, I mean, the game was phenomenal, but you can't give up 50 yards or whatever it was in 13 seconds either. I mean, that, that's a problem, but hundred percent. Here we are, and we got the Chiefs still on the schedule against the uh, the Bengals, who they look good, man. Seven-point dogs on the road still, but 54-and-a-half-point total. This could be a banger here at Arrowhead Stadium. And then you got the Niners and the Rams. Jordan, do me a favor. I think I, I typoed that. Can you put 46 in there instead of 47 for the, run, uh, for the sidebar? Thanks. So what do you say we dive into this, Matt? <clears throat> Yeah, absolutely. Let's go. Let's let's do this one. And you know what? I, you know, I'm excited for Cincinnati, who, you know, basically is just it's their first year coalescing here. And it's suddenly in the championship game. We have a possibility of a Super Bowl rematch from two years ago. Let's dig into this one. Yeah. And if you haven't done so, yet, hit that thumbs up. We're glad to have you guys with us. Hit that thumbs up and subscribe to the channel. Both games on Sunday. So we got no Saturday games, but still we're getting you prepped for it. Most we pretty much know everyone that's going to be active for the most part, unless we are barring any unforeseen news coming up in the next couple of days. So help us get we're almost at 72,000 subs. We're just hitting 30 likes right now out of the gate. All of that great stuff. And if you're listening after the fact, leave a comment down below. Let us know what you think of these games, your top plays. I always try and read every comment. I always try and respond to them as well. And last thing, if you want, if you want to join, channel hit that join down below and uh we will of course you'll get the custom emojis the super chat free super chats each month the badges and all of that good stuff of course too you will get priority access to questions and comments along with our discord members so let's dive into it um apk i said dfs dfs is like a coin toss too society has become full of crybabies in general I mean, look, I, I would say I'm the furthest thing from someone that complains very often, especially about things from a societal standpoint. But uh, we just wanted more football. That's all. Yeah, I, I feel like this is like the man on couch drinking beer argument of all time. Just give me more good football. That was spectacular football. I, I don't know what's really debatable about that. Let smarter people than me make the rules. I know they're already talking about the differences between the uh, advantages from going second in college versus the uh, advantages you get from winning the coin toss and how that's actually better. I kind of think that's all baloney. Like the, the goal here is optimal football for an optimal amount of time. And in my opinion, we could have had more. Oh, gotcha. oh, oh, never mind. I should be, I should be directing that to Shane, not our boy APKS. Sorry, man. All right. Cincinnati, Kansas city. Let's make this happen. Oh, and we have free content on the site today as well. NBA player projections, NHL player projections, both totally free. If you want to get in on that and check them out, you don't have to sign up or anything. If you just want to, uh, Follow along if you're playing NBA or NHL. So the Bengals are seven-point dogs, and Joe Burrow has been spectacular over the final month of the season. Sorry, losing my voice a little bit here, so bear with me. He uh, last week didn't need to do a ton, but he did enough against the Raiders. He didn't need to do a ton, did enough. But then in those final two games, clutch, crucial games uh, of the regular season, he was outstanding, and one of those came against Kansas City. The thing I like about this cheat or the, this uh, Cincinnati team, Matt, and we can dig into it now, is they're only playing three wide receivers. There is no 
you know, fourth or fifth right wide receiver getting any snaps. At this point, it's Jamar Chase, it's T. Higgins, it's Tyler Boyd. And then you've got C.J. Usoma, who's also getting a lot of snaps at tight end. If you're playing the passing game here, and uh, unfortunately, our top stack tool doesn't like them quite as much as I do this week and what I think could be a shootout. And the only way that they keep pace in this game is by scoring. Uh, I, I still think there is a lot of ways to get to a Bengals team with what I would pretty much consider a, a decently concentrated offense without any of those super low end peripheral guys. I agree here. Uh, what a great situation here for Cincinnati playing with house money already have gone further than anyone would have expected this season. And, you know, Joe Burrow threw for 348 yards in what you would say is kind of a like a meh performance, zero passing touchdowns, but still nine and a half yards per attempt last week against Tennessee. And as you mentioned, you know, we use this reference in basketball all the time, but the Bengals, this young team who's already playing with house money, have seen one go in in terms of winning one against Kansas City in a close matchup there, that 34-31 victory. And you've got players in T. Higgins and Jamar Chase who are young. They're all young, really, that whole receiving core. They've already had huge games against this same secondary. And now, you know, they might have Tyron Matthew back for the Kansas City Chiefs. But even so, that secondary looked very, very exploitable, especially when you're playing like Josh Allen was last weekend. So Joe Burrow, I think the ceiling performance is gigantic here, like 350 yards and three plus touchdowns, especially when we're talking about, or uh, excuse me, with Chase and Higgins. Personally, I really like trying to get to Jamar Chase, but 6,700 on DraftKings versus 5,700 on Higgins, that is a very, very big difference when you're talking about players who, within the last few weeks of the regular season, each had 150-plus yards receiving in a game. Chase is definitely the one I prefer to get to, but if I have to have Higgins as a consolation prize, I'm totally fine with that. And as you mentioned, the way that they keep pace in this game is that their passing uh, keeps them close because I don't think the Cincinnati defense, which is worst in schedule adjusted fantasy points allowed of all defenses that qualified for the playoffs are going to stop Patrick Mahomes, especially with how we saw him play last week. I don't see it happening either. And I pointed out on yesterday's uh, ownership show with Matt Kajewski and uh, our boy, Eric Linquist. I like Boyd too. I mean, for me, it, it comes down to an ownership thing and you know, while DraftKings specifically has priced a lot of guys lower than they probably should be, Tyreek Hill being one of those guys uh, and a couple of others just being a little bit underpriced, I think he is one way to, to get exposure to a cheap player who's the number three in his offense, but we've seen him get into the end zone. Sure, he's more of a slot guy, but good high-powered offense that's going to need the score all of that kind of stuff, I think, plays into it when there's a total this high and they could be playing from behind. I like Boyd's prop, too. Uh, I hit that earlier this week. Uh, hopefully you guys are tailing. We can have some fun with these. But uh, I told you these move a lot. It was 35 and a half. Now it's at 39 and a half. It was at 35 and a half on DraftKings. I'm just looking at Odd Shopper now. It was at 35 and a half on DraftKings. It's at 39 and a half now, juiced to the over. So, I mean, I still like it, but getting these earlier in the week just gives you uh, a, a lot a, a lot more cushion in the event that it's not the greatest game. But we still have it at a 61% expected win rate. We still have them projected for 53 yards. 
Uh, I think for a $4,200 player on a two-game slate in a 54.5-point total game that's only projected for 22% ownership, uh, that's somebody that I'm certainly willing to, to entertain. And Matt, CJ Usoma is, is another one of these guys where you say, all right, well, the tight end position only has really four viable guys. But at the right. same time, CJ Usoma has been super involved in this offense recently. And um, how does he stack up against the other tight ends for you would be the question. Yeah. And so, right. Like, obviously, we're dealing with a limited pool of players just because we're talking about a onesie position and there's only four total teams playing. CJ Uzoma, over the last six games for the Cincinnati Bengals, has 10.3 expected fantasy points. And that's fourth among all tight ends on the slate. But that's because you're dealing with, you know, you're, you're playing against the opportunities of Travis Kelsey and George Kittle, who I know it's been down for him a little bit, but still, uh, you know, you're, you're talking about players like Tyler Higby are consistently utilized in the past happy Rams offense. So Uzoma is firmly in the you can play him category. His salary-based expectations and his projections essentially align straight up, and so does his usage. He's not a must-play. He's certainly not a value uh, or he's certainly not a huge value, but especially when you're trying to tack on a contrar uh, a second player for a contrarian stack uh, with Burrow and maybe a player like Chase or Higgins, Uzoma makes a lot of sense in that situation. Or maybe if you want to have two Chiefs players and then run it back with a cheaper player like Uzoma, you know, he's only 3,400 on the DraftKings slate. Joe Mixon, Matt. Here's another big one, right? This guy's been pretty much doing everything through the air. When you think about it, I, even 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 last week, seven for 51 through the air, that's a lot of his production. Uh, he's been targeted a ton. Samaji Pirine's been an afterthought, and I anticipate that continuing. Nice mug you got there. Got the, It came in? Yes, sir. I, uh, I was nicely surprised by that. Thank you for uh, coordinating that. Jake designed new ones and I didn't, that's like a metallic. Oh, that's cool. Is the, yeah, the, the green screen kind of going through it. Wow. Uh, okay. Hold on a minute. Okay. I was going to say that looks sick. I mean, it is really great. I know. But I, like, so maybe we had, had the same one. Dang. Yeah. All right. All right. Uh, well, that's funny. I got sent the hat as well and I was trying to rock it today and I realized the green the bill oh, is yeah. the same thing as the green screen. So I was uh, starting to splice through. I don't know. It made it look a little odd. <laughs> but yeah, Mixon been very much involved as a pass catcher. He he has, what, 26 targets over his last four games? He mm -hmm. I, I, a, couple, a couple of things I'll repeat for those of you guys that, that haven't watched any of the earlier shows. But he hasn't had a game with more than with, with four plus yards per attempt since week 12. So if Mixon wasn't getting it done on the ground, uh, through the air, uh, it's it, it's pretty much a bust. So I'm not saying he can't do it on the ground against Kansas City, but his ceiling is definitely, uh, or sorry, his floor, which is kind of important on a two-game slate as well, is definitely bu uh, buoyed by the fact that he is now getting a lot of targets. 
Yeah, and so this is really interesting here, right? Because that's the same trend I was noticing heading into the beginning of the week, right? Joe Mixon has been utilized, or at least from a production standpoint, getting it done through the air. And I did go back and watch that game. I'm certainly not the world's best film grinder, but this guy has burst right now. He he looks healthy, and I know he's. they've said he's been a little nicked up in the playoffs, but that's not really what I saw, at least looking at it from my standpoint. And then we look at the projections this week and then compared it to the prop line. So right now he's projected for 23 receiving yards in our latest run of projections. That's well under his 30.5 receiving yards passing prop, making the under on that receiving yards prop one of the highest ROI bets we see on Odd Shopper for the weekend. And the over on 55 and a half rushing yards, hitting nearly two-thirds of the time in our simulation. So... I think this is really about what, uh, like more of a regression to the mean situation. Like Joe Mixon is the type of explosive player who just gets total yards. And it's currently been happening through the air. But right now our projections actually see that reverting to the ground game, especially considering the fact that Kansas City ranked dead last in yards allowed per rush attempt in the regular season. So there is a weakness there. And one thing you will say, there have been teams who have been moderately successful in trying to limit Patrick Mahomes reps, particularly in the first half by having a run focused approach, at least in the beginning to keep him off the field. I wonder if the Bengals try that by utilizing Joe Mixon, that really comes down to the offensive line, but if they do, he'll smash that current prop line at 55 and a half. We currently have him projected for over 70. Yeah. We got 66% expected win rate over there on, on odd chopper too. 19% 19% XROI. You like that bet? I mean, we clearly do over at Odd Shopper. Oh, yeah. It's our second ho- highest ROI rushing yards bet this weekend right now. So we'll take that all day. Yeah, man. All right. Anybody else for Cincinnati? I mean, we talked about the stacks, right? It, it, it's a stack where you can definitely get the Hill or the, the Kelsey on the other side of this one. The only question there is, hold on, hold on, hold on. Uh, Woo! Bless you, sir. Excuse me. The only question there is, I'm quick at hitting that mute button now. Yes, sir. Uh, Well done. Is, do we want to run it back with multiple Chiefs? Because I I think it's possible that 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 could be the play. I I don't think it's, I don't think it's out of the, uh, out of the range of possibilities that San Francisco and LA ends up being another low scoring game. The, the, The Niners have just been one of those teams that can, that can play those close, grinded out type affairs where, you know, they might still lose, but they keep it lower scoring. I have a hard time believing this one uh, will come anything close to that. Yeah, this one has such a higher shootout potential. And especially when we see divisional play, divisional rivals match up a third time in general, we see them, uh, they're only whelming and usually underwhelming uh, That's right. when it comes to totals. So, you know, not to say the Rams and the 49ers can't explode for you know, 60, 70 total points here. They absolutely could. But I think this game has a much higher shootout potential. And I do like the call of playing maybe Burrow and then two Chiefs players and then maybe even a run back with one of the lower salary Bengals receivers as well. Burrow, uh, I forget who it was. I think it was maybe Kevin Cole of PFF, uh, a data scientist over there, was posting some charts basically showing that if you take the sacks out of Joe Burrow's game, and just look at the actual passes that he's getting off, he is as efficient as 
Patrick Mahomes, Josh Allen on a per pass basis over the last few weeks of the season here. He's playing highly, highly efficient football that has been kind of diminished by the fact that he is holding the ball a bit. I mean, you can't take nine sacks in a playoff game and expect to come out as a winner twice in a row. here. Just can't do it. No, I don't think he takes nine sacks, but I, I, I 100% agree with what you're saying. I get what you're saying entirely. Uh, where do they rank in run blocking this year? Have they been that bad? I, I thought it, they were middle of the road. In the middle of the road. They just got they just got bum rushed last. Yeah. Wasn't good. I don't know. Maybe that just opens up more like safety valve type routes for a Tyler Boyd, but we'll see. Uh, ultimately, what I'm saying is with only two games, uh, I know that that Burrow and that stack has negative leverage. I get that. But I don't know if it's negative enough leverage with only two games to be like, yeah, that's a great spot to get away from is what I'm saying. No way. No way. Yeah, no way. Because otherwise you're looking at like the Niners as alternatives or you're just going all in on on the Chiefs, which isn't the craziest idea, Matt. I mean, you look at the Chiefs, you have Mahomes, you have Ty Tyreek Hill, who is clearly back to full strength. I don't think there's any questions uh, surrounding that anymore coming off a huge game with a 30% target share against Buffalo, Travis Kelsey with the game winner on the opening drive of overtime. And then you've got guys like Byron Pringle. We'll get to the run game, but I got to say, man, uh, Pringle is clearly the wide receiver too right now. And he is the third best option among all pass catchers in this offense. Once you start getting down to the Miko Hardman's and the Demarcus Robinson types, I got to tell you, and, and we may have some disagreements here, and people might want to point to that Pittsburgh game where it was never competitive and, and Mahomes just threw it to whoever he wanted to because everyone was open, and Hill might not have been back to 100%, even though he had that sick backflip. Uh, I don't really I, – I, there are a lot of other low-tier options that I'd rather get to than the secondary plays or tertiary plays, yeah? Uh, in Kansas City this week, but I love Hill, I love Kelsey, and I love Pringle. I feel like you mellowed with the usage of tertiary from 2020 to 2021. I feel like this is uh, a non this is a non star. All right, I all think right, maybe another I, I feel like chat would disagree with you. <laughs> all right, we'll see what chat says. Yeah, but I do love I do love the call there because that's what our projections are showing with these these auxiliary weapons here outside of you know Byron Pringle has a projection that is just below his salary based expectation, but then Hardman's below salary based expectation. Robinson is below salary based expectation. So it's really saying like, if you're playing chiefs, get to the core passing attack chiefs that, you know, Kelsey and Hill. And, you know, we didn't talk about this yet. Did you see that video about Kelsey kind of calling the shots on that last drive? Essentially there? orchestrating the offense in the final drive, letting them know that, that the middle was open. The seam was uh, awesome. Right, stuff. So, awesome. So, stuff. These are the kinds of moments where I just like sit back in my chair and I just go, damn, I love football because at the yeah. end of the day, at the end of the day, when this game gets its most complicated at its highest point being played at its highest level, we've really ever seen. It comes down to a couple of best friends sitting there going, Hey, you go this way. I go that way. And then I think maybe my favorite part is when like just casually Kelsey mentions like, Hey, maybe I can run this seam route again. And Mahomes sees it and he's like, do it, do it, do it. Yeah. That was the most relatable backyard football moment I've ever seen. It's one of those videos you show when Kelsey is being uh, inducted into the Hall of Fame 
just just an awesome awesome moment play sometimes, those two players yeah sometimes i wonder if people understand how cerebral and how intelligent some of these like really good players have to be it's not all just skill like good quarterbacks you've got to be wildly intelligent a good center right like a good offensive lineman you have to be you have to understand everything that's going on you have to see everything you have to you have to anticipate everything and tight ends too blockers pass catchers the guys that have to do everything and then you've got kelsey just sees everything on the field that's what makes it special when mm -hmm. you see everything like i play hockey matt in no way am i comparing myself to travis kelsey's uh brilliance the other day but what i'm saying is i, I play as an offensive defenseman and the reason i've always loved playing that position is because you can see the entire game develop behind you right like you can see it you can see the direction of the game the flow of the game you're never you're never behind anything and as travis kelsey seeing him there getting off the line just knowing right like in the biggest game ever with the greatest athletes in the world i play men's league you know but seeing the with greatest, no time with no time with no time whatsoever saying this is how it's got to be done um and he saw the game develop with zero time to process it that's just that's that's some really cool shit. Awesome. It was awesome. Yeah, that's a really good point, too, because what he actually said as he was coming back to the huddle for that second play right before he caught the seam route is, hey, if they're going to play me like that, yeah. this is what's going to be open. Like, he yeah. was just like, oh, OK. And it was like second nature. And, you know, it's just one of those things where, like, if you've ever played backyard football with your friends and you know that one friend who you got lined up next to you is like, hey, if he's going to just like sit back and wait, just like fling it you this see way. see it coming. You see it like, develop. You know, yeah. It was just like fifth grade all over again. And it just, you know, it brought me back to that moment and to think about that happening. Anyway, anyway, we digress. You're playing a slate. You're trying to figure out who you want to play between Travis Kelsey and Tyree Kill. We're always kind of viewing this the same way when we do simulations. And, and maybe this is a, a bit of the math to just kind of uh, leaning one way versus the other, but Tyree Kill tends to have a slightly higher ceiling projection. Both of them have 150 yard uh, receiving yard ceilings here. Both of them have two touchdown ceilings here. The Bengals are the worst team of all the playoff qualified teams in team defensive schedule adjusted fantasy points allowed. Mahomes is playing you know, basically the old school <laughs> unbeatable superhero Mahomes level last we saw him and uh, betting against them is probably a bad thing. Steven said, maybe someone in the Bills defense should have said, hey, we're leaving the seam open and they have Kelsey. Right, but they didn't. That's the thing. Kelsey saw it. It's good stuff. It's good stuff. Yeah, in my opinion, I mean, obviously we're all just chatting, so it's like we're not going to put see a diatribe paragraph on, on YouTube chat, but I do think they're probably playing to stop something else playing to stop like a oh, sure. kill deep ball, you know? And so Kelsey realizes, okay, well, if that's the case, they're probably going to do that again. Middle of the field's going to be wide open. I'll fake it. While we're chatting, Matt, where are you at on the Russia Ukraine conflict? Yeah. <laughs> All right. Uh, the, the backfield for Kansas city is really difficult and we we haven't had updated ownership yet. So hope we'll get that soon, you know, within definitely today. But the, the one thing that I think Gajeski and I and, and, and Eric and, and Ben the day before we all kind of agreed on was if Clyde Edwards-Alaire really is, go and, and the problem is if, if everyone's coming to a consensus here, 
you may see ownership flip a little bit. Not, not that we're influencing it, but if everyone has the same opinion, it's likely to be shared by a lot of other people as well. You get where I'm going with this. Uh, it, if Clyde Edwards-Alaire truly is like half the ownership of Jarek McKinnon, given that that was only Edwards-Alaire's first game back and he looked very good, he looked spry on the ground. If, if he is in fact that much lower on than a guy in McKinnon who has had one good game this season and was legitimately not part of the offense only three weeks ago or four weeks ago, then I, I think I'm very much willing to, to take some shots on CEH and say, eh, this could be his day getting the rock, whereas everyone else just banks on McKinnon being the one getting all of the opportunities again. And we also have to factor in what's going to happen with Daryl Williams. I, yeah, I think Daryl Williams is going to play here. Uh, this, is, this is one of those situations where I don't know if it's ultimately going to matter for in terms of producing a have-to-have-it tournament-winning score. Yes, could a Kansas City running back produce that in this game, in this game environment? Absolutely. But I do think that this is the dreaded three-headed monster, and you probably just want to anchor yourself to ownership projections here. It's fine to take a stand, but what I'm probably going to do is just, you know, right now, I'm, as you said, we're probably going to get an update soon here later today. But if Jarek McKinnon's coming in at 44, 45% ownership and Clyde Edwards Hilaire is at 24, 25% ownership, I'm probably just going to have uh, one of them in a third of my, each of them in a third of my lineup. So about 33 each. So it's a little bit under, but not really on Jarek McKinnon and a little bit over on Clyde Edwards Hilaire but not really, because I agree with you. That's what I saw, but I can't say I feel very strongly about this. We're talking about the players who are running back four and running back five on this slate, kind of devoid of bell cow running backs in our projections and running back three and running back four in salary. So they are slightly below salary-based expectations, but you know we're starving for running backs. You're probably going to need to toss one up here. I think Daryl Williams is looking at probably five total touches. So he is a large, large field tournament uh, player only. Um, I think McKinnon is is as explosive as, we, as we've seen him, but I think with that first round pedigree, if Clyde is ready to go, they will keep ramping up his use. Yeah, Ron says McKinnon's the guy. Williams isn't even playing no more. LMFOA, I'm assuming AO. Uh, or he's laughing off his ass. Either one. Yeah, well, he was inactive last week, and he wasn't 100% in the in the wild card round where they didn't need him, and he fumbled. So uh, I, I wouldn't bank on him not being involved at all. I think he'll be scarcely involved. I don't think he'll be involved a lot. But it, if McKinnon's almost 50% owned where we have him right now, all I'm saying is you're going to have to make some some calls. That's all. Yeah, he Almost fully participate, participated in practice. There is no reason a third running back can't plunge into the end zone. We're talking about trying to win a millionaire maker here, not like this guy's going to score 30 points because he might be back. Correct. And if we're trying to win a milli, Clyde Edwards-Hilaire owned by less than a quarter of the field, I, I don't feel good about it. I, I told I, I've said it all week. I don't feel good about this backfield at all which is why I'm willing to take some shots on the lesser owned player. Cause if it's a spot where I just have little confidence in being able to predict which one of these guys it's going to be, uh, I'll go with the one that's, that's a fraction of the ownership and, and is the same price because Matt, let's be honest with ourselves. Would you be shocked at all of this is a 50, 50 split 
and Edwards Alaire is the one that gets the goal line work? No, right? No, not at all. I, I don't have great reads on Me Andy Reid's uh, but running back usage. And plus, when Patrick Mahomes is balling, all they do is create – they just use the run so that they're setting up more passes. It's talk, we're talking about one of the most pass-happy teams in the AFC and in the NFL. It's nice, though. I love when we get some of this debate in chat. It's good stuff. Uh, EU2K says – CEH is fool's gold. McKinnon is the pass catching back. Enough said. WSC 67, CEH all day. Don't kid yourselves. This is good stuff, man. Okay. Look, CEH could absolutely be fool's gold. But if you don't believe that a guy in McKinnon who has 34 carries and 34 targets on the season can also be fool's gold, then I don't know. I think you might have a blind spot there. And at 45% projected ownership, you know, things get a little weird. Anything else for KC, Matt? I think we kind of covered it. You know, Pringle is playing a lot better, but his salary now is getting up to a point where it's kind of hard to play him, but you're just attaching him to a game environment. As we said up at the top, like we're still trying to get to those top two players. Uh, that's that's kind of it. And I wish I had a better read on on who it, who it actually is going to be, but... I still think I still think they have it in their head that they have a super duper star in Clyde Edwards Hilaire and it just hasn't worked out yet. I hear you. Uh Justin pronunciation here, never the easiest. Uh Dupengeiser. Is that is that right? Sounds right, right? He always makes some salient points in chat though, right? And uh I just wanted to th he said re uh where where was it? Where was it? It was earlier about the bills. It's not unrelated to DFS, but it was a good point. Basically saying that he said it seemed like the Bills are playing the sidelines way too heavily, which made no sense because they had the Chiefs had timeouts. Chiefs didn't only have uh, timeouts. They had all three timeouts. It was the first time Andy Reid's ever had three timeouts in a situation like that. And as an Eagles fan, I can assure you, for a guy that coached there for a decade and a half, nothing was more frustrating than seeing this team with zero timeouts late in the game because they blew a challenge or he took terrible timeouts. So good job, Andy Reid. Just unfortunate that it had to happen years after you left the city of brotherly love. All right, Matt. Um, as you said earlier, we digress. Wait, oh, actually, I want to add one thing to that. Sorry. Please really, do. Really, really quick. One thing could be Mahomes, and, and you know, I love Donovan McNabb. He, uh, he ended up going to Washington back when I was rooting for that franchise yikes okay so they you know that team was very very talented but i think mahomes in terms of reading the game in terms of game management you know obviously we're not talking about him being a game manager but just managing the clock understanding the game he is at a whole other level than even other hall of fame quarterbacks so i think a lot of that can be credited to mahomes and and reed possibly evolving but it's mahomes's unbelievable ability that's keeping those timeouts available they're not screwing up you know the play clock later so they got to take a clumsy timeout with the you know play clock expiring we've all seen it that kind of stuff matters in the playoffs yep um and again keep in mind when we talk about these running backs i can't stress enough because i keep seeing these comments in chat ownership is huge on a two-game slate huge so if one of them is is legitimately half of the ownership of the other one that factors in heavily. Anyway, prizepicks.com, sponsor of the NFL Strategy Show. They've been riding with us all season long. Apparently, I didn't, I had apparently I haven't said anything 
absurd enough, Matt, for them to pull the sponsorship. So I'd call that a win out of the gate, right? Absolutely. And, and you're you're tempting fate a little bit, but that's all I'll say. Just just remember the reins are still on. <laughs> all of my predictions come true anyway. So they'd have to reinstate the sponsorship and apologize, but <laughs> we're in good shape. Uh, but for real, it's a very cool site. The, whether it's the desktop version, whether you download it in the app store, whether you go on uh, the Google Play Store, doesn't matter. Daily prop based contest. They have an insane menu of props as well. And you're not, you're not, there's no juice on either side. You're just taking the over or the under on all of these. We found some real edges with some of these as well, all season long. I noticed they came, they, 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 st they didn't stop, but they slowed down on those rushing touchdowns uh, towards the end of the season because they were just such easy money coming in and taking like a minus 200 to score guy, Jonathan Taylor with no juice and just hitting the over. But there's some good stuff and you can use our player prop tool. You can use, I would say use odd shopper because you have the expected win rate on there. That's huge when you're parlaying. Well, you're not parlaying in a way it is, but not really. Like if you do a five prop lineup, which you can do on, on, on prize picks, you 10 X your money. But unlike a traditional book where if you hit four or five legs on a parlay and you make nothing, you still double your money on prize picks. That's awesome. They have literally any sport you can think of. You can do cross sport entries as well, which makes it even more appealing. And uh, you get a hundred dollar first match deposit bonus just by using the promo code. Also awesome. A W E S E M O. When you sign up and deposit for the first time, uh, go to prizepicks.com, Google play store, uh, app store, wherever it is. And use all of our tools, use all of us, seriously, use Odd Shopper to get you there to help you build winning lineups over there where you're just taking the over or the under. You're building lineups, whether it's two through five, you could do the power play too, where if you hit all four, you uh, five extra money, but you got to hit all four in order to make money. And if I didn't mention it yet, you also get a free month of Awesome Plus Platinum, $90 value, everything on the site, every single tool that we have, ownership, boom, bust, player, uh, projections, top stat tool, lineup builder. If you want to get the fantasy cruncher add on, you can do that as well. All of our tools built by awesome. himself, $90 value for the entire month, PGA, MMA, and NASCAR, uh, NBA, NFL, esports, everything included. When you sign up using the link in the description or the one that Jordan Klein already did, or is going to put in the chat, get a hundred dollars using the promo code. Awesome. get the free month. Check out prize picks today. Seriously, you'd be crazy not to. All right, Matt, San Francisco, LA Rams. Good news is Jimmy Garoppolo doesn't have his shoulder listed on the injury report this week. Maybe, maybe that will be some boon to his success, but it's been an ugly fantasy performance through the first two weeks of the postseason, yet they keep winning. Yeah. So I missed who we were talking about at first. So I Garoppolo, I, Garoppolo. Garoppolo. So this is really interesting. My transitions are just that smooth. They're so smooth that I missed the <laughs> one important proper noun. Darn it. Uh, so Garoppolo is a really interesting player to me because I think there there's a possibility that this game is a defensive slog, yes. But in the times that our simulations show that this game becomes a shootout, then there is absolutely no way that he will go under his current prop lines for his passing yards. On prize picks, you know, we were just talking about how great that website is. Right now, Garoppolo's passing yard prop line is 210 and a half. 
We haven't projected for 250. We haven't projected wow. for under his season-long average. We haven't projected for right at the average he had in the two games that Garoppolo played against the Rams this season. We're not, like, bullish on him at all. This is just a math situation here. He hits that mark, like, two-thirds of the time in our simulations, maybe even closer to 70%. Um, you know, on other books, we're seeing, like, 224 and a half. So that's a situation where it's so different, you might just want to hit up prize picks as well. So uh, that's one I really like. And you know that if, for some reason, Garoppolo can actually bring it, then this ch these chances for San Francisco skyrocket in terms of win probability. One huge boost I think they have is George Kittle. I don't think George Kittle is going to see a whole lot of Jalen Ramsey in the middle of the field. And he is a, he's your best friend if you need a short area target within three seconds because Aaron Donald is bearing down on, in your face. So I do think George Kittle, who's been limited to 60 total yards in the two games against the Rams this season, definitely outpaces that this uh, this game and if you're doing that you can pair on Jimmy Garoppolo it's fine he's obviously the fourth of four QB still on this slate uh, I think I will have zero Garoppolo however and I don't know yet I haven't crunched lineups I haven't finalized anything however however I definitely plan on having some of this passing game namely George Kittle. And you brought up some good points about Kittle for sure. Listen, if his price is going to continue to plummet, this is another one of those spots where I, I said this to Adam on the deeper dive the other day, right? Um, I think I believe it was, who was it that said, you know, buy when there's blood in the streets, right? From a stock market standpoint, was it Rockefeller? Was it John D Rockefeller? I don't think it was Warren Buffett. He might've been like the, be greedy when people are fearful and fearful when people are greedy. Either way, look, I'm not very smart, so I don't remember these things. But what I do know, Matt, is that side chat. <laughs> what I do know, what I do know is the same thing is applicable to DFS if you're contextualizing it right. Like it's different. Like when they say buy, there's blood in the streets and you're looking to buy blockbuster stock, you may have miscalculated. OK, <laughs> obviously, I'm talking about years ago. If you're looking at, at a player that clearly is on the downturn and, you know, there are reasons to believe that he will never get back to where he was. Totally different. But when it's a guy like George Kittle, who we know is still one of the preeminent tight ends in the league, is an absolute freak of nature as a pass catcher and can still go off for huge games. and and the, the Niners have not played in really any negative game script recently. The, the last one was the 17-0 game that they were down and then promptly came back and made it a close game really quickly. Like yeah. the la really, the less horrible game script they've been in was Arizona way back when Arizona was actually playing well. Uh, even the Tennessee game was competitive in a one-score game throughout. So what I'm saying here is if you're worried about Kittle's recent performances, that's that makes sense. But it's absolutely no reason on a two-game slate not to look at him and think that he cannot go off for a huge performance. He absolutely can. Uh, very, very well said. Because hey, thanks, guys. Let me present to you a novel case in, in sports history. George Kittle might be streaky as a receiver. Yep. Wow. 
Wow, that's amazing. We've never heard of a streaky athlete in our life here because it really has been a set of streaks here for the second half of the season. Yes, I agree that George Kittle has been utilized more as a blocker because they've been in more run heavy game scripts. But as Gajeski was pointing out all last week, George Kittle is still running 100% of routes. 100% just equals like 22 to 25 routes some weeks. He still leads the team in routes run in the playoffs. Exactly. And so, you know, what about the streak before the four-week streak where he was kind of met receiving? You know, he had a three-game streak where he averaged over 100 yards receiving. 129 yards receiving was his average in those three weeks. And he had over 90 in each of them. So he hasn't had that in a few weeks, but... You know, the ceiling game for Kittle is as high as Kelsey, is as high, as high as any tight end who's ever played. I don't know if they're absolutely going to need that. They certainly don't want to play that way. But when we're discussing range of outcomes, George Kittle has a special top end of the range of outcomes that ser- that most tight ends would never dream of having. Thank you, Jordan. Baron Rothschild, that's right. That's who it was. Bye when there's blood in the streets. Hey, we got the fan up show coming up after us as well, guys. Uh, You should definitely stick around for that. You don't even have to go anywhere. It's on this very stream right here. So as soon as Matt and I go, you've got it. Who'd you say it was Greg and uh, Terry? Greg and Terry with the fan up show. They've been running some huge contests over there at fan up. So uh, definitely would urge you to stick around if you want to talk more football, want to talk more ways to win money for this championship week. Uh, they got the fan up NFL contest stream coming up directly after this. It's Greg and Terry. So yeah, don't go anywhere. Should be actually, hold on a second. Let me, let me make sure of something here. They did. Okay. Okay. Cause last week they scheduled us to like 12, 15, this one's to 12. We could go. I, I have, I have no doubt. No questions. Yep. But, but we'll probably be good on an hour here. What are you doing with Debo? I think it's a fool's errand to fade this guy. I get why our projections are never that bullish because it's actually less valuable to be getting rushing attempts than it is to be getting targets. I know I know these things. I know these studies have been done, long done. But still, when a team is running the ball up the gut with Debo Samuel on third and seven, with the game on the line with two minutes to go, and it's working... I don't know what we're doing here. Like, why are we being so foolish in saying like, well, it's going to regress back to the mean. Like Debo Samuel is playing out of his mind and it doesn't matter where he's getting the ball. We all saw that kick return to start the second half too. They said, oh man, Debo hasn't been touching the ball enough. Let's just get him back to return a kick. Boom, immediate impact. There are only certain players who can keep this up for an extended period of time. But who am I to say that Debo Samuel is going to stop this week against the Rams? They're going to find all sorts of ways to find to, to get him away from Jalen Ramsey. They're certainly going to see each other, but it's not going to be a situation where Ramsey follows them all over the field either. I don't love the salary. It's not something where like he's an absolute must play, but to say that his uh, projection below salary based expectation makes him a bad play is just categorically false. Yeah, it's so tough though when you're sandwiched in between cup. And Hill, it's tough because I don't know what his receiving workload is going to look like. I'll go back to to the negative game script though. If if this does in fact happen to be a, a and this is the problem with the with the the Niners, 
if it's a neutral game script as it's been or or positive as it's been with this team for just weeks on end, right? I, they have just been involved in so many games that haven't gotten out of control in the opponent's favor. Then it's probably more Debo rushing attempts, it's less passing attempts. Same thing with George Kittle. If they fall behind and are playing catch up and Matthew Stafford looks as dominant as he did last week against the Tampa Bay Bucks, then it could look a little different. And you could see that Debo game where he had, because the last like truly negative game script was against what Tennessee. And that wasn't even truly negative. They were just playing from behind and he was targeted 11 times. So I don't know, man, mm -hmm. he hasn't seen, he has not seen, he's seen more than six targets once, once since week nine. He's yeah. great on the ground, but I, it worries me a little bit. I'll be honest with you. It worries me a little bit. I just feel like Kyle Shanahan looks at Debo Samuel and say he's a total touches guy. We will we will generate X amount of opportunities sure. for Debo Samuel, and this is how we will do it in a way that's advantageous for our team. I think that is the most optimal way to approach superstar players. So I understand why we are not bullish on him when we're just talking about simulations and re regressions to the mean. We are math focused over here. I, I completely understand that, but let's not deny what we're seeing on the field here. We're seeing one of the best players in the league. And if we didn't have the player on the other side of the ball who broke every receiving, you know, DFS record in the book, it feels like, you know, we would be talking about Debo Samuel as having one of the best seasons in the NFL. In a vacuum, who do you like more, uh, Debo or Tyreek Hill? It's Hill. It's Hill. Okay, I'm just I'm just curious because you know the it's only a two game slate, but yeah. All right, backfield for San Francisco, and hey, hit that thumbs up if you haven't done so yet. We're at 75 already, so appreciate you. 260 plus people watching on a Thursday. If you forgot, that's okay. You could still atone for your sins here. And if you're on mobile app, maybe just click out of that chat for a second and, and hit thumbs up. Greatly appreciate it. Helps us feed the algorithm. We got to play the games here sometimes to get where we need to go. You know how it works. All right. Uh, and subscribe to the channel too. Matt, Eli Mitchell, we just talked about Debo, who is essentially a, a wide back, as he calls himself as well, getting a lot of opportunities out of the backfield. But Eli Mitchell, the, he, this is the crazy thing. He has had less than 17 carries two times this season, both of which came in ugly losses to the Arizona Cardinals. That's it. And prior to last week, he had seen 21-plus carries in six straight games. So I'll go back to my original point. If this game is competitive, and, and I know only 17 last week, I still think that's a bit of an outlier. If this game is competitive, Eli Mitchell – they're going to run the football as much as they can because they have one of the best run blocking lines, one of the best run blocking tight ends in the league. And Mitchell will probably get his carries. Question is, can he produce with them? And what is his involvement in the passing game? It's certainly not out of the realms of possibilities that at the end of the day, at the, in the optimal lineup, we see Eli Mitchell there. He's had huge games, but I don't think he's going to produce a have-to-have-it ceiling score. We've got one game over 25 fantasy points this season. If you're looking for like a small field value play, I guess he's fine because he's probably, uh, if you're looking at percentage chances to hit 2x, which is only really helpful in things like cash games, Eli Mitchell's probably up there towards the top. 
But if you're looking for ceiling probability, I don't know if I love Eli Mitchell. Certainly, it's in the range of outcomes. He's getting plenty of usage as you broke down there. But for me, I am going to be under the field on Eli Mitchell. In our latest run of ownership projections, we saw nearly 40% uh, ownership uh, projection here for him. And I just, I'm just going to be way under that right now. In expected fantasy points per game, even on this slate with only Joe Mixon as a bell cow, he's third among running backs in uh, expected fantasy points per game over the last six weeks. That's only the weeks that he suited up in. And uh, yeah, I, I guess like negative game script is one way to look at it, but I just see that when push comes to shove, when they actually need a big play, they're going to be looking for Debo Samuel or George Kittle. Let's hope. You like any Juwan Jennings or Brandon Ayuk before we wrap it up with the Rams? Uh, I don't like Juwan Jennings, but salary uh, dictates that the projection is ahead of that salary-based expectation. So he will mix in uh more so than Ayuk, who I just don't like the salary that much. So when it comes to the Rams, I, I think this is kind of one of the one of the easier things to diagnose is Cooper Cup. At this point, you know how good he is. You find ways to play him. Uh, and that's why I mentioned like a Tyler Boyd earlier. Tyler Boyd can open some things up. Uh, I think Van Jefferson, if he plays, he didn't participate in practice yesterday. I think he opened some things up. They're running three receivers outside of like maybe a little bit of Skoronic, but uh, Van Jefferson is still running a ton of routes. He's ran four fewer routes than than, George, or than, than Cooper Cup in the postseason alone. He's just only getting targeted on 7% of those routes, which sucks, but he's very cheap. I think that's a good way to get there. So for me, Matt, it's not am I playing Cooper Cup. It's what are the best ways to make it so you can comfortably play Cooper Cup? And I think guys like Boyd and Jefferson and Pringle uh, will really open those things up for us. I agree with all three of those names. And I actually think Cam Akers, again, I know it doesn't look like a player who has been overly efficient, but in expected fantasy points, you know how I love that metric. The opportunity has clearly been there. He is behind only Joe Mixon in his last four weeks of usage uh, in terms of expected fantasy points per game, they clearly want him to be a thing. And I don't know if Daryl Henderson is going to come back this week. It looks like he might. Sony Michelle is certainly still going to mix in. But Cam Akers is that player that I think could be that value running back. He's the fifth highest salary running back. And we have him projected well ahead of those expectations. So I think if you're looking for a value at that, at that position, Man, I, I'm going to plug my nose and play it. I, I don't love it against this San Francisco defense that has been really strong of late, but I think he's another one to add to that list if you're trying to talk about value plays to get Cooper Cup. Uh, who was that? Who was the last one? Cam Akers. Oh, yeah, I agree. I was 100% off of Akers last week. However, you had Aaron Jones, you had Devin Singletary, you had Leonard Fournette, you had all of these guys that, that opened things up a lot more than you have this week. Derrick Henry was in there as well. Uh, not cheap, but just another running back that people were getting to. This week, you don't have that. So you've got Akers with a wildly inefficient performance and two fumbles, no less, that he lost. Could have lost them the game, too. Coming in, though, 24 carries last week. It, it, assuming that Sean McVay doesn't mix things up, assuming that Daryl Henderson doesn't, if he's active and he plays, doesn't steal a lot of opportunities and cam Akers ends up still being the bell cow. This is a spot where I'll say, all right, now I'm, I'm perfectly willing to get to cam Akers. Uh, 
Let's just hope he doesn't fumble again. That that that's the only concern here. Wrap it up too with um with Kittle. I'm sorry, uh, Tyler Higby, and then like an Odell Beckham because we agree that if Jefferson plays, he's cheap enough despite the fact that he's been not very not used very often, but still on the field for every damn play, and he's cheap. What about guys that like like Higby and, and Odell Beckham? See, I think both are just access to the game environment. So really what this means is I'm buying in to this game, hitting a shootout potential, which we've already talked about being lower, lower probability than the AFC championship game. But still, Odell Beckham, they clearly, clearly have a huge package of games, or excuse me, of plays for Odell Beckham in the red zone. They want him to score. They want him to be used off of Cooper Cup. And so he is still my favorite secondary option here. But Tyler Higby, again, an expected fantasy points per game. They don't lie, 11 per game over the last six weeks. That's DraftKings scoring. That's second among all tight ends, higher than Kittle in that six-week span, below only Travis Kelsey. So certainly someone I will play at 3,700. But I feel like that's still 3,700 access to a Cooper Cup, Matthew Stafford stack or a Cooper Cup, uh, Jimmy Garoppolo, George Kittle stack or something like that. I'm just tacking that, um, them on when I'm stacking this game environment. I don't know if this game underwhelms compared to the AFC championship game that either player, unless they score two touchdowns on, say, four or five targets, is getting into the optimal lineup. I just got a notification. Our boy Steve Buzzard, the Colts, who's going to be on, on the contract with me tomorrow, is in office hours right now over on our Discord chat. If you're a premium sub, check that out. He's amazing at like really helping people answer all their questions and helping them improve their DFS game. Like I, I sometimes I'll just sneak in there and look at what's going on, and nobody better at helping break things down and answer questions. And if you're not a premium sub yet, you can do so uh, a multitude of ways. You could do a week, you could do an express pass for for any sport. You could make an investment out of it and go with the whole year for every sport. One sport doesn't matter. You can do the full month. Uh, if you want to do all access, awesome plus weekly, it's $29.99. I think the best bang for your buck, other than a year, which is, you know, a lot for some people, but if, if the, the whole month with every sport, getting the ownership and the top stacks or the top golfers tool or the top fighters tool, you name it, or, uh, or, or the, the boom bust tool and the lineup builder for all of these sites and sports is the month and just going month awesome plus platinum every sport if you go to awesome.com slash join though check it out there's a million different ways no matter what your style is how serious you are what your budget is but yeah when you sign up get in our discord it's a great community and uh the office hours where you've got the pros helping answer your questions is is a huge huge uh thing that i don't know if enough people take advantage of it but it's it's been it's been popping off lately for good reason we'll wrap it up with this and then turn it over to Terry and Greg. Quick little awesome Hall of Fame, Jordan. Do we have any new ones on here? Yeah, we got some. All right, let's do it. Awesomeo.com uh, slash avatar if you want to get involved here. Uh, we induct you into the Hall of Fame every single day. And uh, you get a free month of Awesomeo plus platinum if you finish top three in a field of 5,000 or more. And, of course, you have to tweet us at awesomeohof. Shout out to Melissa or I'm sorry, shout out to our boy D Lenny, $100,000, big win there. We saw that earlier this week. Zane with the $17,000 win in the showdown on Sunday night. Uh, ugly eight game coming in hot with a $5,000 win. Jimmy VB, 
Dude, we keep seeing these NHL entries with huge ROI. That was a five cent entry, first place out of twenty four thousand. Yes, you win a you win Awesome O Plus Platinum subscription, ninety dollar value. Even if it's a five cent entry and you finish top three in a field of five thousand or more. And Melissa, first place in another NFL contest. Our NHL guys and tools have been killing it lately. Shout out to all of you. Stick around. Greg and Terry coming up right now. It is the Fan Up Show on the other side of this. Follow Matt at Draftaholic. Good stuff today, man. It's been a great year. Yeah, man. Before we get out of here this final time, just want to say thank you so much. This show has kind of taken on a life of its own with the marathon matches. I'm a Tulsa dog here every single week. And he says, where's our We Survived the Marathon year? I'm going to get a mate. I'm going to get we're a get, mate. We're I'm getting merch. free ones. Yeah, it's going to be awesome. But thanks again, guys. Uh, t tell all your friends, uh, except for the ones that you want to beat at DFS, about this one because we're excited to run this back. Of course, we're going to have all this Super Bowl content, but excited for the years to come of this awesome marathon matchup show. Couldn't be possible without you guys. No doubt. Again, hit Matt up at, at uh, Draftaholic, me at Lafayette underscore D, L-O-U-G-H-Y underscore D on the Twitters, on all the social media. And shout out to Jordan Klein, as always. Phenomenal job producing today's show. We love him. You love him. Fan Up Show coming up next. Don't go anywhere. Stay right here on the stream. You don't have to move. Peace.